How many of you guys have really enjoyed the I Serve series? Seriously, let me hear you. You're in church, don't lie, you'll go to hell. But over the last six, seven weeks, we've been talking about the I Serve series. And I want to tell you something, this series will go down in history as the longest series in my 12 years of ministry that I've ever preached. I've never preached a series to extend into seven weeks long. And I say that because of the fact that if we are being prompted to preach on this so much, and I would say if the Spirit is expressing how important this is, then my challenge to you is how much more should we be paying attention? In 12 years of ministry, I've never preached a sermon series this long, and I'm telling you, tonight's not the final night. All right? Come on. But tonight uh, will be my final night of preaching the I Serve series. Um, and there's two, mar- two more parts coming. Next Wednesday, I've asked my spiritual father, Pastor Devon Coker, to come. Come on. Pops will be in the house, and he will be here continuing the I Serve series. He'll be preaching a word around the concept of how you can never truly walk in discipleship without servanthood. It takes servanthood to truly become a disciple. And then the final week will be the finality in which we will be concluding the I Serve series, where six of you will be preaching five-minute sermonettes on the I Serve series. I will give their names at the end of this message. I'm not doing it beforehand because some of you, when I tell you your name, you're gonna instantly like be on Google and be like, sermons about, and you'll be over there. Like, you need to catch this word, so at the end, you will get your marching orders. And sadly, some of those that are on my list, they're not here tonight. I hope they're watching online. How many of you had an opportunity last night to see what God is doing and how he's using Dominion Church on Dominion TV? We had an opportunity, come on, had an opportunity to sit with great men of God, um, Bishop Jamie Barfield out of Palmetto Point Church, and his church exploded through COVID. Dominion exploded through COVID, and for some reason they wanted to talk to us about it, but I told y'all what I was going to tell them, and I sure told them, get Jesus back in the church, amen. Amen. So, uh, so honored to be a part of partnership with Dominion TV, Dr. Dutton, and all those. And uh, over almost 170 countries that this ministry is reaching every time that we gather. And uh, with plans this summer to actually be going on satellite, which will put us in all of Africa, all through Europe, throughout the whole United Kingdom. We will be preaching the gospel in Ukraine. Come on. Hallelujah. And so there's no telling how far it's going, but we're so thankful for everything that the Lord is doing. Um, Tonight, though, I would like to conclude my portion of the I Serve series, um, and I want to talk to you briefly about culture, but specifically the culture of the kingdom. Because while some of you may ask, what does culture have to do with, or what does the culture of the kingdom have to do with, uh, with serving, my answer in short is this, everything. The culture of the kingdom of God is wrapped up in servanthood. Everything flows in and out of being a servant. I I, I find it incredible that there is no greater title in all of, of the kingdom of God than the simple title of servant. Jesus 
it, it, when, he, when he's speaking to a multitude in Matthew 25, uh, and, and he's telling his disciples about the kingdom of God. It's letters in red in the Bible. And what we find is Jesus is taking a moment and he's breaking down this kingdom, the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 25, we find the, the parable of what they would call the parable of talents. The, and, 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 you know, some talents were given to this one and some were given to this one and some were given to this one. And, and the master comes back and he asks them, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And, and the one a good a good uh, servant, he says, he says, Master, you gave me five talents, but I took those five talents, and here are five more. And he gives them back ten. And, he, and then the other one says, Master, you gave me, you know, two talents, and here I've, I've got two more. And, and and every time that it happens, uh, the, the parable says that he says these words, Matthew twenty five and twenty one. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and now I'll make you ruler of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. God, we thank you for every heart, every mind, every family that you've gathered in this room tonight. God, we don't take it carelessly, God, that there are men and women under the sound of my voice, God, that may need to know you tonight. And Father, there are those under the sound of my voice, God, that need comfort. And God, there are those under the sound of my voice that just simply need your joy to enter into their life. And Father, I pray, God, that tonight, God, as just a servant of the Most High God, Lord, that you would use me to say something, God, that causes hope to arise in their life, God, for their faith to increase, God, and for their love for you to become the center point of their life. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. Matthew 25 and 21, he says, and he says to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant, I love the fact that when we get to heaven, guess what? He's not going to look at me and say, well done, thy good and faithful pastor. Well done, thy good and faithful apostle. Well done, thy good and faithful evangelist. Well done, thy good and faithful worship leader. Well done, thy good and faithful deacon. He is going to look and everyone is going to be found on their faithfulness, not on title, but on the character of their heart. And there is no greater concept than that of servant. So watch this. Servanthood gives you permission to enter. Woo, catch that. See, when they are recognized as a servant, he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now enter, see that? Servanthood gave permission for entry. I want to tell you in the culture of the kingdom is servanthood will open more doors for you than any title ever will. My God, hear me. I want, I want to tell you tonight that servanthood will cause you to walk into rooms that you couldn't buy your way into. It will put you in the company of people you couldn't have made a phone call to get into. Not by your title, but by the contents of your heart and being a servant. Matthew 25 said, well done, thy good and faithful servant, now enter in. So we find in the culture of the kingdom that servanthood begins to open doors for our life. You want to see your life change? You want to see dimensions of your life change? You want to see your marriage change? You want to see relationships change? You want to see your job change? Learn to serve. Watch and see how things will shift when you take on the concept and mentality of servanthood. I love the fact that when Jesus came, he did not come to be served, but to serve. He didn't come. He was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. If there was anybody deserving of people coming and serving him, it was him. But he took on the form of a bond servant. He took on the form of somebody that said, here, let me wash your feet. Yes. But watch this now. We find he says, 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. And it says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Wow. Wow. So the culture of the kingdom is an understanding that servanthood not only opens doors, but it opens me. Mm. Woo! That's good. It opens me for the joy of the Lord. Let me, let me tell you something. Kyle Meyer has never been more miserable than when I'm not serving God. Is there a witness in the house? Is there anybody that backslid on God at one time in your life? You were close to him. You were with him. You knew what joy was. And then you fell into a season where he felt distant and you were miserable, bro. You, were, you, you, you hated life. You, you didn't want to talk to nobody. You sure didn't want to pray for nobody. You didn't even want nobody praying for you. But see, what we find is that serving not only opens doors, it opens us. And when it opens us, it allows us to enter into the joy of the Lord. Here's an incredible concept, though, of the joy of the Lord. Guess what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Preacher, what are you telling me? I'm telling you that there is a very great possibility that the reason why you're, why you're weak feeling spiritually is maybe you're not serving the Lord intentionally. Woo! See, because if the joy of the Lord becomes my strength, but the joy comes through the mentality and the posture of servanthood, then all of a sudden I realize that maybe if joy is absent, it's because my heart is is absent from serving. I've never seen people so excited to give away 1,400 gallons of gas as I did last Friday. I ain't never seen people over 40 years old out there by a gas pump. They just, Pastor, look, Pastor, look, the family right here, look at him, Pastor. What was it, though? It was the joy of the Lord. From a ministry that was willing to serve its city. See, I love the fact that the kingdom of God, that there's no greater title than that of servant. The king of this kingdom, Jesus himself, did not come to be served, not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve. And the culture of the kingdom is wrapped up in serving. I've recently noticed, though, that over the last few years, the escalating advancement of the enemy and his influence in our culture and world. Does anybody else feel like the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Can I get a witness? You don't believe me, just turn on the TV. Scroll through social media. Like, I was talking to somebody today, and we were both talking about intentionally disconnecting from social media because of its venom. Like, you want to get depleted and depressed, just spend 45 minutes on Facebook. Woo-hoo! You'll find out about how, you know, the, how Disney, that was once an incredible. Here we go. Lock me up, baby. We're going to preach this thing. We, we find out things like Disney that was once a concept of magic kingdom and family coming together, now pushing the ideologies of, of transgenderism and, and sneaking it in a, in a subculture way to, into the minds of children. And, and, and we see commercials like Celine Dion that, that is removing genders from a wall as she walks in. I'm going to share that commercial later, and y'all going to about to find out how much Satan is coming after your kids. But listen to me, I'm watching culture try to influence the world and woo them into their ideologies and and coming under the concept of a new world order. My God, hear me. 
But I've seen it recently, specifically over the last couple of years of just how crazy that the world is pushing their culture on people. I've seen hashtags like woke and hashtags like cancel culture and begin to trend on social media. And there's this ideology that if we don't like something, then we can just cancel it. See, the reason why there's a mentality that we can cancel culture is because the culture that we live in is a man-created culture. But see, the church was never created to be a subculture. It was created to be counterculture. You better hear me. Light in the midst of darkness. We were called to go against the grain, baby. It's the reason why they crucified them. It's the reason why they boiled them in hot oil. It's the reason why they drug them down the street between two horses. It's the reason why their limbs were sawed off. It's the reason why they were stoned. It's because they weren't a bunch of pansy yes men to the culture of their day. Yes, I said pansy from the pulpit. And if you stick around, I'll say it again. There's this ideology that if we don't like something, we just cancel it. And I'm fine with canceling a whole lot in culture, let me be honest with you. Absolutely. Shut it down in Jesus' name. But culture is, in Webster's Dictionary is defined a, as a way of life, including arts, beliefs, and institutions of a population that are passed down from generation to generation. A culture has been called a way of life for an entire society. As such, it includes codes and manners. <laughs> While culture is identified as a way of life, the kingdom of God possesses the way of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He is the way. While culture is looking for a way, I've already found the way, baby. The church possesses the way. The way. And while culture is rapidly increasing in their indoctrination from everything from the education system to all kinds of things. I want you to understand that the true church must rise up in this hour. There are three powerful cultures of the kingdom that I want to share, want to share with you briefly. This isn't my message, but there's three powerful concepts of the cultures of the kingdom that I want to share with you. The first one is servanthood. It is a culture of the kingdom of God, servanthood. If you want to become great, then you've got to learn how to serve in this kingdom. The second concept of this culture of the kingdom is generosity. That if you want to become blessed, you gotta learn how to give. It's been, it's been labeled as an upside down kingdom because the kingdom in the world say go and get so that you can have. This kingdom says give it away and watch and see Luke 6, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men give into your laps? Amen. The third concept of the culture of the kingdom is honor. Yes. Servanthood, generosity, and honor are three pillars in the kingdom of God. The truth is about honor is you can't access what you refuse to honor. Receive a prophet in the name of a prophet and you receive a prophet's reward, the Bible says. In other words, I'm only allowed to have access on which I'm able to identify and honor as such. Woo! Guess what? Those will be more series coming later on. So get, get ready for those. We done covered the servanthood one, but generosity and honor are coming. I'll go ahead and tell you that. 
But hearing that you should realize how counterculture the world is in comparison to the culture of the kingdom of God. Catch that. If the culture of the kingdom of God is servanthood, generosity, and honor, woo-hoo, it pales in the world in comparison to the kingdom of God. Because the truth of it is, is in the world that we live in, it says, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Y'all ain't never heard that? Maybe you need some of my friends. See, we live in a world that says, I ain't getting nothing unless y'all show me what I'm getting. We live in a world that our culture says, we're going to disrespect leaders. We're going to disrespect parents. We're going to disrespect presidents. We're going to disrespect bosses. We're going to disrespect entire households. My God, we ain't even got fear about the man of God anymore. We'll disrespect pastors. We'll dis- My God, I'm going to preach. We'll disrespect church leaders because nobody is safe in America's culture of dishonor. It's a no holds bar. When I grew up, let me tell you something, even if we didn't like cops, and God knows I spent some days running from them, I, 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 I still honored the badge. Y'all ain't ready for this. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, because let me tell you something. I come under the alliance of the lamb. I'm not under a donkey. I'm not under an elephant. I'm under the alliance of the lamb. His name is Jesus, and I vote according to biblical principles, whether that's red or blue. But I, want, I would have you to know this. That we have a culture that I remember back in the days, man, the president was regarded regardless of, of where it was. There is no regard. At all. And I'm not just, um, yeah, we're going to preach politics. Get, uh, get over it or get into it because we're going to preach it. Because listen, I've seen it on both sides. I've watched them rag Biden and I watched them rag Trump. The point in cases where my heart is grieved, I don't care if it's red or blue, there is a huge culture of dishonor in America and we celebrate it. And then we wonder why our kids talk back to us. Woo! And then we wonder why we can't get nobody to show up to work. Y'all ain't ready. To, y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. See, as I've meditated on this lately regarding this servant series, I, I, I want you to understand something. My heart behind this is to see everyone serving in the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of God can win. I want to see the kingdom of God win. But in saying that, I had to ask myself, so what does winning in the kingdom of God look like? Is it a packed building and is it paid bills? Because if that's winning, y'all got the wrong leader. I'm not here for a packed building. I'm not here to see the bills paid. Is that really winning in the kingdom of God? Have we dumbed down the influence of the church so much that, oh, oh, we're, we're winning, bro. We got, we got like four services. We got people wall to wall. Man, the bills are paid. Money's flowing. It's just overflowing in the offering basket. We winning. If that is winning in the church, I don't want it. Let me tell you what I believe winning for the kingdom of God looks like. See, I believe winning in the kingdom of God Looks like whole cities being transformed. 
I believe winning in the kingdom of God looks like marriages that people said would never make it, finishing it. I, I believe that winning in the kingdom of God looks like kids that were backslidden and abusive and, and running from their parents, not just coming home, but coming to Jesus. I believe that there is a different level of winning for the church. But there's got to be an understanding. I refuse to sell the magnitude of what God is doing here in the definition of packed buildings and paid bills. See, I'll define win, winning in the kingdom of God as sons and daughters being raised up and serving the king of kings and lord of lords. And not just challenging, but changing the culture of our city and our region. I want you to know that I truly believe that dominion is living on the other side of this message. I don't believe this is a word we're working towards. I believe this is a word that we're working from. I believe wholeheartedly that this ministry, these people, these partners are challenging and changing the culture in the city of Darlington and the PD region. I believe that if you hire somebody from Dominion, it's one of the best workers in your business because we don't labor as unto men, but we labor as unto the Lord. I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that there is a culture that's being developed here that we're going to have strong families and we're going to be full of faith and we're going to lay hands on the city and we're going to see them recover. I believe we're winning. I believe we're winning. But do you want to know how you win the heart of your family? You learn to serve them. You want to learn how to win the heart of your boss? Serve them. You want to see doors come open in your life? Learn to serve the person that is keeping the door. You want to win the heart of your pastor? Serve them. Want to win the hearts of your friends? Learn to serve them. Want to win the the heart of your city? Learn to serve your city. You want to change the culture in your region? Then learn to serve your region. How do you ever change our culture if we're not operating in something different than it? I'm going to say that again because that's like, that's like, Social media, Twitter post worthy. How do you change the culture if the way that you're operating is no different than it? Can we be honest for a minute? And I promise you, I'm not knocking churches because God knows we all only are what we are by the grace of God. But I truly believe that the reason why areas haven't happened to see the kingdom of God manifest is because churches have this stupid mentality like we're supposed to just open the doors and the fish jump in the boat. Like I've never went fishing and had a fish jump in my boat. There are fish that will jump in your boat, but not around here. You gotta go like Kansas or Kentucky to get one of them dumb things. (laughs) But I've never went fishing and had a fish jump in my boat. So why is it when Jesus told us that we'd be fishers of men, we think we get to sit right here? Looking dumb, ain't got a pole, ain't got a net, ain't even. And we expecting to catch something. I'm telling you it's time for the church to get outside the walls and go fishing. You gotta go to where the world is if you're gonna win it. Do you know, and this is stupid to me, honestly, it's just stupid. 
I'm sorry if I'm just so transparent tonight. But do you know Dominion ended up making national news this last week? Yes. National news. Yes. I had no idea. I had somebody contact me yesterday and they're like, yeah, I'm down here in Charleston. I was watching um, whatever. I don't know if it's Fox News, MSNBC, one of them. They were reporting. They had to ship from our sister affiliate, ABC. Nurse Dominion Church. But here's, here's, here's the problem with that. Why, why has it taken so long for the church to realize we are more effective out of here than we are in here? Here's another point. Here's another point. Why is it such a shock to the world when they see the church outside of the walls? This is the place where we assemble. This is the place where we are equipped. This is the place where we are challenged. This is the place where we are changed. Not so that we can stay here, but so that we can go challenge. So that we can go change. So that we can go be the influencers in our region, in our homes, in our businesses. Our religion is no good if it sits here on these chairs. Why did it shock the nation with what Dominion Church did last week? I'll tell you why, because it's an anomaly. It's not common. But I want to go on notice, teacher Derek Sports, and let them know it may not have been common, but it's about to become a common thing. So I want to give you three things that the culture of the kingdom of God does in the face of the culture of our world. And I'm going to be real quick. I'm going to try to speed this up. The culture of the kingdom of God confronts and does not conform to the culture of the world. The first thing that the culture of the kingdom does is that it confronts and does not conform. Catch this, Romans 12 and 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did y'all catch that? We called to be bumblebees. You've got kids, Will, don't you? You've got kids, see? I said we're called to be bumblebees. Y'all don't know who bumblebee is? Am I really here in this place right now amongst these people? Y'all have never seen Transformers, the yellow Camaro with the black racing stripes? His name is Bumblebee. Good Lord. I got yelled at last week for never seeing Major Payne. But y'all ain't never seen Transformers? Like, what's wrong with you? But Romans 12, 2, catch that. It said, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, see, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're called to be transformers. Okay, watch this. Where is the people that will serve God in such a way that the heart of their city will be transformed? See, the concept of a transformer is so powerful. When I was thinking about Transformers, I, I literally, I was thinking about Bumblebee because here's this thing, this cool concept, this yellow Camaro that looks just like a regular yellow Camaro, but when a demand is put on Bumblebee, he no longer is a SS Camaro. He rises up into this robot-killing, enemy-stomping, hellfire-shooting, like, army 
vigilante. Where is the church like that? That he said, listen, when you show up, you're gonna, you may look like the rest of the crowd, but the moment that a demand is placed on you, you're going to transform into a devil stomping, hell chasing, demon slaying. My God, hear me. Political over. My God, you hear me. See, the church should carry such humility that we look like we don't stand out in the crowd. We just look like a little SS Camaro over there with our racing stripes on. But once the demand is placed on our life, once that mama that has a lost child shows up at our job, we push the sails aside and we grab their hands and we begin to plead with heaven. Once that that daddy that, that, that's going through a hard time and wrestling through addiction, we're turning wrenches with him on the job and he, all of a sudden he puts a demand on our life. We lay down the wrench and we grab hands and we begin to summons heaven to answer on his behalf. Where are the transformers? Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the culture of the kingdom is, is that we will confront the culture of this world because we refuse to be conformed to it. Not only do we confront it, we will be transformers of it. See, the heart of a servant is someone that's not just transformed into whatever demands are placed on our life, but when we are transformed, we become the transformers. Catch that. We have the ability now to transform places and peoples and things that our joy becomes their joy. Our hope, my God, y'all better catch this thing. Y'all real silent tonight. It's 8.03. I preach to 8.70 I, I every Wednesday night. Y'all got 67 more minutes. But listen to me, we're not just called to be transformed, we're called to be transformers. See, the culture of the kingdom is that we, we, we're not conformed to the culture of this world, we confront it and then we transform it. Because we were never called to be a subculture, we were called to be a counterculture. We were called to be the light in the midst of darkness that the world should see us and say, man, I want what it is they got. The second thing, the culture of the kingdom confronts the cultures of this world. The culture of the kingdom confronts. We're not conformed, but we confront the cultures of this world. Uh, how is the world going to hell in a handbasket? I'll tell you real quick. Because of a bunch of pansy Christians that keep their mouths shut. And they keep their religion in rooms. And we don't show up to city council meetings. My God, y'all listen to me. We don't show up to the school board meetings when they're voting on curriculums and agendas that they're going to push their, 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 their woke culture. Come on, somebody. No, we'll go viral on this message. Hold on. So the culture of the kingdom confronts the cultures of this world. Paul confronts. Paul is, is he's being sent from Thessalonica. He's coming into Greek or Greece, and as he comes in, Acts chapter 17, I believe it is. Yes, Acts chapter 17, we find Paul comes into a godless society, and he confronts them, but he gives us a recipe when confronting cultures of the world, what it looks like. Catch this. I want to break this down for you. Acts 17, 22, and it says, and then Paul stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. You could stop right there and just say, the world we live in is very religious. But let me tell you something, religion won't get you to heaven. 
A relationship with Jesus will. Moving on. For as I walked around, I looked carefully at your objects of worship, and I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything that is in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in the temples built by human hands. And he is not, he is not served by human hands, and, he, he, and as if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man he made all the nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to everyone by the raising him from the dead. Speaking of Jesus. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. And some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. That's, that's it. That's good. Paul comes into a very godless society. And he's not afraid to confront it. Because the culture of the kingdom confronts the cultures of this world. He stands knowing that his life could be at stake. Knowing that in the midst of a godless generation, amongst a godless people. You know, one, one, one uh, uh, theologian said that it is more easier to find a god than it is a man in Greece in this time. They had more gods than they did people. And, and, and Paul comes in to this very godless, God-filled culture, and he begins to rebuke them, calling them ignorant for the fact that they're worshiping these statues of gold and stone. And he's telling them, he's like, listen, you got one out there that I passed, and the title was called The Unknown God. That's the one that I want to preach to you, because while you got all this religion, there's one you don't know about, but I want to tell you who he is. He's not only God, but he's Jesus that was raised. He's from the dead. And the Bible said that when they heard about the resurrection, some of them followed him. Some of them snickered. Listen, when you confront culture, they'll laugh at you, bro. You ain't going to be friends with everybody and be a kingdom carrier. (laughs) So he gives us this recipe. In verse 22 and 23, pull it back up real quick. Verse 22, first thing that he does is he tells them, that God is. Then Paul stood up and the people asked him, he said, I see you're very religious in every way, verse 23. And he says, for as I walked around, looked carefully at your objects, I even found so you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And what Paul does in the first thing is he confronts, he begins to define who God is goes on in verse 24 and he talks about God and who he is that he created the heavens and the earth this is God the second thing that he did in verses 24 through 29 is he tells them who God is the third thing that he does is that he tells them what God says see we need people to rise up that will serve the Lord and serve his kingdom that are willing to tell 
people that God is. And then when they tell them that God is, tell them who he is, and then tell them what his word says about him being exactly that. Paul confronted the Greek culture with the heart of a servant, though. See, Paul did not come to, uh, to, to identify problems. He came to identify the solution. His heart was grieved. These people needed to be saved. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, ha, ha, look at me. I got it all together, me and Jesus, and all y'all going to hell. No, he came in, and he was wooed by compassion to say, listen, you got all these gods, but you're missing the one true God. And his heart was not to be right, but to serve the Lord that they would be made right with God. The third thing that I want to tell you is the culture of the kingdom changes the culture of the world. When the world truly sees the culture of the kingdom, they will no longer want the traditions and religious ceremonies. They will want the freedom that the kingdom of God expresses and encounters. But can I tell you, it will cause business owners to incorporate biblical principles in their business. See, you, you let business owners encounter this kingdom and encounter the principles of this kingdom, and all of a sudden you'll start noticing that, 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 that biblical principles are showing up. When I was managing and run, uh, running my last job, every week I did a weekly email, and that weekly email was totally scripturally founded. Many times I sent scripture with it. Sometimes I even sent, I, one time I sent a Dr. Miles Monroe, who is a kingdom preacher. I sent a short clip, but here's the thing. I was sending it to the owner and to the, all the other uh, division presidents that were in North Carolina and South Carolina. I was sending out every week, and the owner of the company came to me. He's like, hey, I want you to do this and start sending it to everybody in the company. And so, like, I had to send him out, and then all of a sudden, he started telling all the other division presidents, hey, make sure you do an email like Kyle's doing every week to your team. But here's the thing. Everything I was doing was coming from the Bible. They had no clue about it, but it was principles. I said, when this kingdom comes, it will cause business owners to incorporate biblical principles in their, Bible, in their business. It'll make school teachers review their lessons and start thinking of fundamental ways to incorporate biblical principles and incorporating the kingdom even in their teaching. Amen. I truly believe that the city of Darlington is changing because Dominion Church and the company of the kingdom that we carry. Yes. You can think I'm crazy, but I believe that the dynamics of this city and region are changing because the kingdom culture of this house. I'm confident that as we continue to flow in servanthood and we love those who many would call unlovable and we reach our arms out to the hurting, we embrace those that feel far from God and we learn to serve everywhere we go, I am confident that dominion will continue to shift and change the region. I believe that it's our waitresses that may serve us food, but when dominion shows up, we serve them back by leaving great tips. I'm a firm believer in that. And, and I'm, I'm going to share this and I'm done. Brooke, you can come onto the keyboard if you will. But, you know, I, I was cut to my heart one time. And, you know, my wife was a server for many years. I worked in restaurant business as a kid coming up. But I was cut to my heart one night that we were out to eat. And I was talking to a waitress and she said, she said, no, I don't like working on Sundays. I was like, I was like oh, you go to church? She said, no, actually. I don't like working on Sundays, she said, because that's when everyone comes in from church. And she said, and they're the worst tippers. What kind of kingdom are we demonstrating 
that we think we have to retain our resources because the kingdom that I'm a part of tells me give and it will be given to you. See, see, I'm not, I'm not the source God is. So when I give, I put a demand on his source and he releases resources. You catch that? Resource, a reciprocating source that if he gives it to me, I can give it away. But I believe that there's something that Dominion is doing in this region, in this area, that is challenging the culture of this city and this region. I believe that this church is challenging other churches. And I'm glad. Because I want to say, where are you at? Where are you at? We cannot hide in our buildings any longer while there is a world going to hell outside our doors. Who will go? Who will serve? Who will love them? Stand with me all over the house. See, the culture of the kingdom is found in the heart of a servant. And we will not conform, but we will transform. It is not afraid of confrontation. It's not to be right, but that others may be found right with God. And when we operate, we operate in these things, and we will see whole cities change. This is the culture of the kingdom of our God. In closing, I'm going to say this. The problem is in America, though, is that the church in America became a subculture when God never intended for it to be a subculture, we were made to be counterculture. We shouldn't be wooed by culture. We should be pushing back against culture. See, the original word of the church is called ecclesia. And that word carries so much weight because that word means the called out ones. (laughs) Catch that. That word was first used when Moses was headed to Mount Sinai. God said, you will bring the people here to worship. And when he referenced that community of people, he said, you will bring the ecclesia here to worship. And on this mountain, the ecclesia will worship. See, there's a revelation that the church has to understand. We were never called in. We were called out. And if we're truly going to be transformers, and changers of our culture, we got to understand that we were never created to be a subculture. Church is not a box that you get to check on Sunday. It's a kingdom that you're a part of. I'm closing with this. You'll never be a world changer if you don't change the posture of your heart towards serving. You'll never change your world if you won't allow God to change your world. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room tonight. I believe wholeheartedly, my God, thank you, Lord. I believe wholeheartedly that there are people under the sound of my voice and you are a transformer. You have the ability that when you walk in a room, hope and joy walks in with you. You have the ability to speak to people of great influence and they want to listen to what you got to say. But let me tell you something, you'll never truly be a transformer until you allow God to first transform your life. You'll never be the magnitude and the measure of influence that God created you to be until you let Jesus in. The second thing that I want to speak to is the people that are here tonight. And I want you to know that God gave you a backbone. Not to be right, but to make sure that you are a voice that people can be made right with God. If John would have known that the gospel would have cost him his head, would he have continued preaching? 
Absolutely, I believe he would have. Why? Because John was a kingdom preacher. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His perspective was not on a church, but it was on a celestial city. It was on a king of kings and lord of lords. His eyes were focused on the Lamb of God. And he said, even if it costs me my life, this Jesus I'm going to preach. We will never be world changers, though, until we allow Jesus to change our world. If you're here tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know. Maybe you stumbled in here tonight. Maybe, maybe you've been coming here for months. Maybe tonight's your first night. For some weird reason, God just drew you into this place. If you're here tonight, though, you say, preacher, I hear what you're preaching. And I want it. Because I'm tired of living life in the mundane. I'm tired of living life with no purpose, of feeling like I'm going through the motions. I'm tired of not feeling like I'm a part of something bigger. I know deep down inside of me that I was made for more, and I feel like I am living under the bar tonight. Preacher, I'm not where I need to be with God. Preacher, I need this Jesus that you preach tonight. I need him in my life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you tonight, it's just me, you, and Jesus. Will you slip up your hand so I can see you, please? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make a show out of you. Thank you for your hand, sir. Anybody else? I'm not going to, I'm not going to even call you up front tonight. Thank you for your hand, sir. Come on. You're saying, I need this Jesus. This Jesus that you preach that talks about transformation and change. I need that change in my life. Not just so that I can be changed, but so that I can become the counterculture and the element of change that God is looking for in this world. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you tonight. For these two men, God, that raised their hand to put their trust in you, Jesus. God, I'm reminded of Acts 17, that when Paul confronted their godlessness, some of them got God-filled. <laughs> Lord, your word said that some of them followed him after that day as he followed you. Father, my prayer is tonight, God, you know, God, those that raised their hand. You know their name. You know everything about them. Father, my prayer is that by faith they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. If you raise your hand tonight, I just want you to say this. You can say it in your heart and in your spirit tonight. I just want you to say this. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Matter of fact, I want everyone in this room to say that out loud with me. This, I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I confess you as Savior. I receive you into my life that you would transform my mind, that you would transform my heart, and that you would transform my life so that I would become a transformer for you. In Jesus' name.